episode 59 of Coffee with the Coach. I'm here with my man, Magic Mike, and it is a G-Men Friday because we have it. It's all Giants, all show today. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, sir. Jeff, welcome in. Welcome to everybody watching. Jeff, seven weeks to go. You're on the verge of the season starting for you as well. Again, I say it every week. We're almost there. Exciting times to be a football fan. Yeah, and, and you know what? Big news for uh, the Irish NFL show, too. You guys are doing a London show this year. We're doing a London show on the 16th of October. I think that's the day before the Jets play the Falcons. All being well. Uh, looking forward to it. Hopefully a special guest announced soon. Rumors, sources have it that we're going to speak to the Hamilton Tiger Cats to try and get uh, Jeff Reinbold out of his contract <laughs> for two days. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, looking forward to months. It's going to be good. I, I, I think you guys are going to do a great job. You know, a lot of stuff going on in the league right now. Did you see the deal with Devontae Adams? Now, you talk about adding a layer of intrigue already on top of what's going on in Green Bay. Devontae Adams has walked away from contract negotiations on a long-term deal. It's like the GIF or the, 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 the GIF you see on Twitter, like the pop, eating the popcorn. I think every other every other NFL fan other than that Packers fans are just sitting back, getting the popcorn and going, oh, we're days away from camp. And you got the whole Roger situation, you've got the whole Devontae Adams situation, and you can't call it. Like I know you can be prudent and say, oh, you know, they'll probably go back to camp. But, but the reality is, you know, there's a reason why Adams has walked away there. And you've seen from Schefter all week, Jeff as well, talking about Rogers. All is not well in Green Bay. All is not well. No, and I would be now. I would be legitimately concerned if I'm a Packer fan. Mm. Um, interesting note: Rick Dennison, the offensive line coach for the Minnesota Vikings, was terminated today. Mm -hmm. He was fired because he did not choose to get vaccinated, and they was they were they told him to they wanted him to get vaccinated. He would refuse to do it, and they fired him. Really, really interesting how strong a stance the NFL has taken on this. I don't know if you saw last, I think earlier in the week, Mike, they talked about if you're a team that can't play because of COVID, that there's no rescheduling of games, you're going to lose that football game. So it's interesting. You know, we talked about Cole Beasley and this whole COVID thing about not getting vaccinated. And I think this is just another, it's another, uh, indication of where the league how how hard knows the league is on this issue and the teams obviously as well like i'm a big broncos fan and seeing a guy like rick dennison who's been in denver for such a long time obviously at different teams now seeing that today was surprising um and the word came out from different guys like tom palacero ian rapaport yesterday in regards to the whole situation in regards to vaccines time will tell what goes on but the one thing that i find very interesting was the majority, Jeff, of the staff, the coaching staff and the head coaches apparently now have their vaccine. And there's five teams apparently that are very low on uptake. So it, it will be interesting to see what happens. Um, I seen I seen DeAndre Hopkins tweet yesterday, which he very quickly deleted about the vaccine. It's that time of year. There's just opinions players are getting. But look, at the end of the day, we, we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. If you don't take a vaccine, your season, your comfortness in that season in the sense of going to training, coming home to the family, 
it completely shifts. So there is a huge difference. Whether you agree to take it or not, or want to take it, that's a whole different conversation. The NFL put this protocol into place. They clearly don't want to play a week 19 season to, to make up games. And they won't. At the end of the day, Jeff, my team last year had to play a game without a quarterback because the NFL wanted the game to go on. So uh, hey, I tell you one thing, though, hey, bro. in a positive hey, bro. spin, Jeff, I, bro. I, I, I think London happens. So. Bro, your team played 16 games last year without a quarterback. Oh, so don't, I saw the quarterback play in Denver last year. <laughs> I will never forget, though, on the hey, Saturday night. How about Mike Florio? Mike Florio, Mike Florio comes out and some crazy take that somehow Cole Beasley is trying to get himself cut with his, with his COVID stance. I mean, what? That is the most outrageous thing I've ever heard. And, I mean, that, that, I, I would have thought that would come from Colin Coward, not, not, not pro football talk, but, hey. I guess it's, it's that time of year, bro. Hey, we're going to talk a, yeah. a bunch of giant stuff today, right? We got the Giants UK fan club is going to join us and talk about what they're, what they got going on with big blue and Marcus Kuhn, who is a German player that was, you know, played at NC state was drafted by the giants, played with the giants for a number of years. The first German player to ever score a touchdown in the national football league. The first German player ever invited to the NFL combine. Um, He's going to stop by. He's now working in personnel for the Giants. He's going to stop by and visit with us. I think the fans are going to love his interview because he is a character and a lot of fun to talk to. Yes, sir. And it's it's good to have this sort of one-team focus going into the season because especially some of the teams like the Giants who maybe didn't make the playoffs last year, but they were quite close to it at the end because of the, because of their division. So it's good to hear from Marcus, but it's also good to hear from Don, Jeff, if you want to introduce Don. All right. You know, Dan was one of Dan Aylett is the, one of the key guys with the, uh, and I, I guess UK giants fan club and a lifetime giants fan. And it's an amazing story about how he became a giants fan, but uh guy is passionate, man. I'm telling you behind that red beard is a, blue soul he is a he is a giant all the way and a great guy to talk to it was really a blast i really i, I think this i really like this fan forum idea we got mike i think you know you've created a real cool thing and and i can't wait to see who we get on next week and and you know hear from the fans all through the you know all through the season because that was that's what this podcast really originated as is a way to connect with the fans so I appreciate you coming up with the fan forum idea. You're, that's why we pay you the big bucks around here, buddy. <laughs> I'll say nothing there, but obviously great to be on here as always, Jeff, and, and I massively appreciate it. And yeah, if anybody is watching this, and it, you don't have to be in charge of a fan group, but if you're a fan of the team, let us know. Reply to this tweet below. Reach out to me at Michael underscore NFL because Jeff's too busy to do anything at the minute, and I will <laughs> set it up. And uh, yeah. Here is Don from, I think, Big Blue UK, New York Giants fans, and we'll tag him under as well. This is the part of the show that we really enjoy. This is new. It's called Fan Forum. It's an opportunity for us to get out and talk to the fans and the big fan clubs, the, the, the uh, UK fan clubs, the Ireland fan clubs, all over Europe fan clubs that... Uh, find a way somehow 
to love their teams from a long way away. This is Dan Aylett from the, a Giants fan club, correct, Dan? Absolutely, 100% from a Giants fan club. All right, so if, if I'm going to look you guys up on Twitter or I'm going to follow you, how do I go about finding out about the club? Cool, so you can find us on Twitter at New York Giants Fans UK, um, and we're on Facebook as well. And uh, me, myself and two, two guys from that fan group, we also um, recently, sort of within the last six months, have started our own podcast as well. Um, so we got a G-Man podcast on the air, huh? I've got a UK G-Man podcast on the air, yeah. We're at, at Big Blue UK IRL, Big Blue UK in Ireland on Twitter. And you can follow us there as well. That's myself, Shane and Kev um, from the group, talking all things clients week in, week out, um, and having a blast, having a good fun. Uh, again, this show is uh, kind of a Giants Big Blue Day because we're having Marcus Kuhn on, uh, Super Bowl winner with the New York Giants, and uh, Germany scored the first touchdown in the National Football League by a, by a European player, German player. Yeah, nice. A really cool guy and, and uh, loves his Giants. Even to this day, as an ex-Giant, he loves his Giants. So he'll be on the show. We'll talk, we'll chop that up. But let's get back to you and your club. Now, when did you, when you guys found it, Dan? Do you, you know, how, how long ago has this thing been going on? Um, so the UK Giants Club, uh, they've been around sort of, I think, 2006, 2007. So getting on for 15 years. Um, Obviously, the international series that came over in 07, the Dolphins game, that sort of helped to grow uh, the fan base here for, for the Giants. Um, I've been a fan since... Well, my first Giants game I ever watched was uh, was the Super Bowl in 2000 when we lost to the Ravens, um, which wasn't a great start to being a Giants fan. Um, but after that, I sort of went up, didn't really pay much attention to the sport for the next sort of few years. And then 2006, I really sort of started paying attention to the game. Um, my brother's a Colts fan. And it sort of only felt right that I followed his younger brother. I, f I followed Peyton Manning's younger brother and Eli Manning. Um, and I love and I love New York, the city itself. Uh, so it only seemed right. Okay, that um, was, you know that's the question that I always ask fans in Europe. That like, how did you get into football? How did you pick your team? You know, like I picked Leeds United because they have beautiful white uniforms in 1995 when I was watching them on TV. So you know, you can pick a team for so many very very reasons. Absolutely, yeah, like. And the history behind the Giants as well, um, that really appealed to me. Like I'm, I'm a Manchester United fan, so we've got a big rival, rival in me, you and coach. Um, United and Leeds, they're big rivals here in the UK. Um, so the history and the, the sort of the tradition behind the club um, really appealed to me, um, and it appealed to a lot of um, fans here in the UK as well. It's a something we can relate to, um, and it's it's only an eight-hour flight away to the, to the East Coast. Um, and yeah, just the, 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 the whole Giants organization from sort of top to bottom really appealed to me. And then obviously in, in 2007, when we went on that uh, crazy Super Bowl run and ended up beating the uh, undefeated 18-0 Patriots in that Super Bowl in that, in that year, sort of, that really sort of solidified my, uh, them as my team, I think. And um, Keith, Keith and Andy at the uh, UK Giants group, uh, in, the, in the group, they really sort of run the show there. Uh, they do an, an amazing job running that show, um, and it's all credit. The, the the group's all credit to them. We got sort of two and a half thousand followers on Twitter, two and a half thousand followers on Facebook. Um, before, you know, pre-COVID meeting up for um, to watch games together as fans and just talking football, and it's it's sort of snowballed from there really. And it's it's a, it's a great I love it. great great community to be part of. 
I love it. Now, do you get a, do you get fans from? Where do you meet in London? You meet work. Yeah, usually in London. Myself and Keith and Andy are sort of relatively close to London, and we've got a huge sort of Giants fan base in and around London. There's Giants fans all over the UK, sort of from the Highlands of Scotland out into Ireland, Northern Ireland, Wales, Southwest Coast, Cornwall, Devon. There's Giants fans all over the UK, but we try and sort of make it as central as we can, and generally that ends up being London because that's the best place to watch football. And obviously the, the International Series games coming to London help as well. And yeah, they're usually a good excuse to meet up with the other Giants fans. Well, I hope when you're watching football, you're watching it on Sky. That's all I'm going to say. That's oh. all I'm going to say. <laughs> no, no, no doubt. No doubt well, let's talk. Let's it's talk quite, it's quite surreal actually talking to you today and uh, watching seeing you on TV like on Sky Sports. Um, it's actually quite surreal talking to you today. And so it's, it's an absolute pleasure as well. My pleasure. Let's talk to those Giants, all right? How about that? There's got to be a sense of optimism around Giants fans right now, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, the the, the jury's still out with Daniel Jones. Um, he's got to have a stellar year, but he's got the weapons to have that good year. Um, obviously, with the with Barkley being put on the um, pup list yesterday um, for the beginning of camp, doesn't surprise any of us. Um, he's not going to be back on the field till he's 100%. Um, and... The defence last year, we had a, a great year on defence last year. We're in the top eight in defence in the league. And I think they're only going to get better. And that offence, now we've got those weapons in place. Kadarius Tony looks scarily good. Um, and we're on the opposite side of the ball as well. Aziz Ojolari, um, as our sort of edge edge linebacker, he sort of he dropped to the, he dropped to us in the draft quite nicely. Um, there is a lot of optimism about this Giants team. Um I don't want to be too optimistic and, and say, yeah, we'll go out and win the division, but it's a, it's a definite possibility. Obviously, we've got Dak Prescott and the Cowboys in the way to sort of get get in the division because at this time of year, everyone's always jumping on the Cowboys. And, and fair play, you know, it's, they've they've had a few good years, but Dak really needs to come out and prove that he can do it for the Cowboys as well. But now there is a lot of optimism about this team. Joe Judge is, is really building a, a good culture in that team. We've seen it from... Um, Logan Ryan and and the secondary sort of recruit going out and re actively recruiting players to come on board and you know him going out to and taking Odori Jackson out for dinner and things like that it just shows what culture Joe Judge is bringing into this club um and it's 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 a really really positive sign um I'm just looking forward to the season man I, I wondered how you or the average giant fan would fall on Joe Judge you know because his his um, I guess his his methods are kind of different for this day and age, this NFL. But I'm a you know to be honest with you, I'm a big fan of his, and I think he's added a toughness and a discipline into that team. And I think you saw it about week four or five last year. I think the buy-in started to really happen. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's just, like you said, the, the discipline I think is a, is a huge one. Um, you know, he doesn't accept mediocrity by the looks of it. He doesn't accept, you know, players turning up, up late for practice. He doesn't accept even coaches not doing their job. I mean, he wasn't scared to release coaches midway through the season last year. Um, and that just goes to show that he's he's dedicated to his job and he wants the best out of everyone. And if someone's not performing at their best, he's not scared to make the decision and let them go. Um, the, coach, the coaching team he's brought in around him um, is really impressive as well. And I think they, they can take things forward. Rob Sale, obviously our new offensive line coach. You know, on paper, he looks like a great coach. And he's, he's so far, what we've seen of him as well, he's proven to be a, a great addition to the team. 
All right, so let's let's go that again. You you give me such great segues because uh, I wanted to talk to you about the offense because you know this is an offense that I think has scored one point per drive over the season, you know, lowest in the NFL. Struggled with big plays, struggled to get the ball in the end zone, closing out drives. Jason Garrett, I thought, got a lot of criticism last year, and even though he's managing the game in a way that gives the Giants a chance to be in the game, if you understand what I'm saying. He's been a lightning rod since he came over from from Dallas. What's the general take amongst Giants fans about Jason Garrett? From my my opinion, I think he's he's been a he's been a great addition. He's brought that experience to to the offense and in that offensive room. Um, it's only a matter of time if he has a good year this year. It's only a matter of time before he moves on and becomes a head coach somewhere else. Um, that's the potential he's got, and he's he showed it with Dallas. I mean, yeah, they didn't win it all, but he was fairly consistent with Dallas. Um, and he's been is the the way he's designed this playbook um, has really impressed me. And I know it's impressed a lot of Giants fans here as well. Um, and the way he's working with Joe Judge, I think they work really well together. The you can see the they bouncing ideas off of each other. They're designing that playbook to play to the strengths of our offense. And obviously now bringing in additional players such as Kadarius Tony, that has so much potential. I hope they design some plays purely around him because he can do so much with that ball. It's it's madness. I think it's interesting that you bring up Kadarius Tony because we talked about those st- statistics, not being able to get drives in the end zone, those kinds of things, lack of big play production. Yeah, out of was a struggle. Yeah, yeah. This is where I think a specialty guy like Kadarius Tony, with his you know elusiveness, all of the speed and talent that he has, and I think when Saquon gets back, this this could be an explosive Giants offense. Daniel Jones, again, there's another lightning rod for yeah. both, you know, praise and criticism. As a Giants fan, do you feel comfortable that he's a he's a good enough quarterback to lead you to the Super Bowl? I genuinely do. I think with the offense he's got around him, there's no reason he can't. He's got the skill set and he's got the capability. It's just putting it all together and, and showing it on field. Um, he reminds me so much of Eli Manning when he came to the Giants. But at the same time, he he still needs to produce those, um, the wins gets to get the wins in the in the column, you know, and get us to that postseason. Um, we were close last year, you know. Don't get me wrong, we were we were one game away. We were that Phil- that one decision away in Philadelphia, um, where he decided to bench Jalen Hurts, which, you know, wasn't great. But we were close last year. This year, I can see it, it could be in a close t- a close battle again, but. Going back to the question, Daniel Jones, I believe he can do the job. Um, it's just a matter of seeing it, and that's what's that's what the sort of biggest reservation on most Giants fans at the moment is they haven't seen that that clutch play that you know drive you know rather than driving a, the team down to, to score in the last two minutes without and then leaving a minute left on the clock, he's driving that team down, he's managing that clock. And we're we're scoring the the winning touchdown and the winning field goal with seconds remaining. So, you know, we we end up winning the game. We lost a lot of tight games last season. Um, so he needs to he needs to turn that around. He needs to be better in the red zone. He needs to give that end product. And rather than go for three, he needs that seven points on the board because touchdowns win your games. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot like people put us on the spot, and and, and I'm going to ask you: This team can they win ten? Can they win seven? 
where do you see where do you see them at when we get into December next year? So my my overall prediction for the season was to to go um, ten and seven. I think we can win ten games. The the schedule was there's a there's a big um, part in the middle of the schedule where we play Tampa Bay. We have a bye week and then we play Kansas City coming out of the bye. Those three weeks are huge. But I genuinely believe we can win ten games this year. Looking at that schedule, um, looking at the roster that we have, the confidence on both sides of the ball that we have, I genuinely believe we can win ten games at least. And it's just a question of can any other team in that division win more? Um, you know, we all, this time of year everyone favours Dallas to win the division, and you know whether that's rightly so or not that be, that remains to be seen. But you're not, conceding. You're not conceding, are you? No, hell no. You're not just anointing Dallas the the NFC champion, are you? No, never, I would never do such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I. I I would be. I'm. I'm looking for progress this year, and I think if Daniel Jones progresses from what he's done in the last couple of years with the with the new weapons on offense and with that offense as a whole, even if we don't win the division, I'll still be happy. But regardless, I still want to win that division. I still want to beat Dallas. I want to beat Philly. I want to beat Washington. I want to be NFC champs for the first time in ten years. Um, and I strongly believe. I strongly believe that can happen. Do you have any friends that are Dallas fans? Do you have any cowboy friends? Um, not many. <laughs> not, not, not many. No, you wouldn't be. You wouldn't be a loyal Giant fan if you did. No, I think the only the only friends I have that are Cowboys fans are probably just friends that I know, and they've decided to start, you know, following the game, and they've then started to to follow the Cowboys for whatever reason. Um, they've gone down in my estimations because they follow the Cowboys, but. <laughs> <laughs> No, I can't say I'm close friends of any Cowboys fans, to be honest with you. All right, and every time on Fan Forum we do this, and, and uh, it's just about your time. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds to tell me why, if I'm a new football fan, why I should be a Giants fan. Ready? Go. The history. The fact that we play on the east coast of the U.S., and it's a, the time zone, it's easy to get there. Um, the Giants are a traditional one of the original franchises in the league. We play good football, we play hard defense, we traditionally run the ball and we play exciting on the we play exciting football on the offense. And uh the future's bright. Joe Judge, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Kadarius Tony. What more can I say? You know you did that in twenty seven seconds. That was pretty impressive, my man. Pretty impressive. You sold me. All right. Now how do you, how does somebody in the UK or somebody coming to the UK or new to the UK that wants to, that is a Giants fan, how do they locate you guys and, and uh, become a part of what you got going on with the big blue fans? And, and Cool. Yeah. As I said at the start, obviously we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter at New York Giants fans, UK. Um, come and join the community because we'll welcome you in with open arms. We're very passionate about the team and we just talk football. We don't have any garbage. We don't have any, even in the sort of Facebook groups that we have, the Facebook group we have, uh, we do sort of like a weekly like watch along. We'll talk, we'll have a thread for each game. Um, but one of the rules in that group is there is no swearing because if kids want to join, if kids, if kids are following the game and they want to become a Giants fan, we want parents to be able to feel like actually it's, it's family friendly and they can be welcomed into the group with open arms because you know, we want, we want as many fans as possible in the group. Um, and we just talk football. That's all we do. We don't beat around the bush. We talk football. Whether it's a good game, whether it's a bad game, at the end of the day, we're all Giants fans and we always will be. Um, and like I said, there's uh, we've got our Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast as well, which we sort of try to try to launch every week. We talk Giants football. There's three of us, me, Shane and Kev, like we're sitting down the pub, having a beer and talking Giants football. That's all we do week in, week out. Um, 
and it's a huge it's a great community great community to be part of um and i'm i'm proud to be a member of the, of the fan club that's for sure i'm proud to be a to, i'm gonna have to tune into your podcast and and again i appreciate you bringing that message to you to i, I think that's really important that all of the forums, all the fan things that we're involved in as NFL fans, let's keep them, you know, as they as they said in that in that movie, uh, let's let's keep it classy and uh, yeah, you know, and keep that's it what going. we like to show. The Giants are a classy organization. We want to show class to. Uh, appreciate you, Dan. What an awesome experience going on here and talking ball with us, talking Giants football, talking you know a UK Giants fan club. I'm, the Big Blue are well represented in the UK and. Appreciate you very much for being on the show. No, mahalo, coach. I really appreciate being on. Um, oh, you throw a little wine at me. That's even better, brother. You know, <laughs> you know, of course. Um, no, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Um, and yeah, check out our podcast. Give us a listen. Tell we'll us what do you, it. Tell us what I'll you think. Do it, brother. All right. Take care. Thank you. Thanks, my man. Take care. Aloha. Well, it is a G-Man kind of day around here. We are talking about the New York Giants. We've had the New York Giant UK fan club on, and now we are going to have a true G-Man. And I mean, when I'm talking about a G-Man, I'm talking about a German G-Man. This is one of the great stories that I've been around in my coaching career. Marcus Kuhn, who is a born and bred German player, who played for the New York Giants. And now, as he told me moments ago, is working for the New York Giants. Marcus, welcome to the show. Jeff, I really appreciate you having me. This is this is going to be exciting. I'm already, I'm already happy. I rushed home from work, still sweaty a little bit, but you know what? It's worth it to be here. Hey, man. You know, I think we need to start, really, with your story and, you know, how you came to play football, first of all, and then the, the journey that you had, really almost, that you had to self-navigate almost yeah. to get to college, to get drafted, to get to play in the Super Bowl, to become all the things that we're going to talk about in this show. Take us through what that was like, your your football journey. Uh, didn't get to play in the Super Bowl, broadcasted uh, a few Super Bowls. That was the one thing I missed. Um, but uh, ended up even scoring a touchdown in this crazy league, but kind of starting from from zero. Um, I I grew up in Germany, uh, tried almost every sport there is to try forcefully as every German uh, boy, I would say. I started playing soccer when I was probably four or five years old, but quickly realized that wasn't for me. Um, had a shot at basketball, played a little handball, even played some golf when I was younger, but I, did a, I had a family vacation when I was 14 with my, with my parents and my sister. And we, first time I've ever been to US, we did a round trip through the, to Florida. And I saw these big stadiums and I saw American football on TV. And I kind of looked at the sport and I said, you know what? I think this could be something for me. Like just by what's going on on the field. And I saw these big guys running into each other. And I was like, you know what? I would, I would love to try it myself. Um, Funny enough, I, uh, my sister, who was three years older than me, had three guys in her class who was in a local club team playing football there. And she asked them, hey, would you like to take my little brother um, to, one of, to one of your practices? And like I said, I tried many sports, but the first time I've ever was in a football practice. I literally immediately fell in love with the sport. I mean, it was 
was like, you know what? This is for me. Never obviously thought about where this is all going to take me and be such a big part of my life. But I knew right away, this is the sport. I'm going to stick with it at least uh, for the foreseeable future. And um, right. yeah, right. that, that's so, kind of how I, that's how I kind of got my, my toes in the water. Brother, tell me about that first practice. Like, did you have any idea what was going on? I mean, like how much you, you had seen the game, obviously on TV and, but what was that first practice like? So we had, uh, we had an, an old school coach, his name is Horatius Zellos, uh, Harris Zellos, uh, Coach Zellos, we always called him, actually coached um, the all-star team from Baden-Württemberg, which uh, when you scouted me for the NFL Europe later on, yep. uh, I mean, tough guy. And he, what I liked about the sport that, that he kind of immediately ingrained in me what it's actually all about. I mean, you see the toughness and the roughness, but I think what he taught really well is this American football is the ultimate team sport. There's nothing close to it. I mean, you can play soccer and you can play basketball. You have one star on the team and ultimately, you know, you're going to win a bunch of games, but there's nothing like football. If all parts don't work together, um, it's just not going to work out. You can have a great quarterback. If you don't have an offensive line, you have great receivers. If you don't have a quarterback, like, if you your defense everything everything matters and everybody on the field matters and this whole you work out together you sweat together you blood together uh that kind of all team feeling of it that just kind of caught me right away and um they they i had no pads when i first showed up there and then these guys are playing with pads and these guys i was 14 15 years old and back then in germany the youth league was between 15 and 19 year old guys and I was going against 17, 18 year old guys. You know, I, I only, I never saw the weight room. I was a bigger kid, but I, you know, I, I didn't belong on a football field at that, at that point of time. But just like overall, just measuring yourself up against other men um, physically right away kind of triggered something in me. And I, I enjoyed it. And they put me as tight end because coach said, hey, you have big hands. You can probably catch the ball pretty well. Um, so my first year, I was a tight end. Uh, my second year, they said, you know, maybe you should be a defensive player. And then uh, I played linebacker. Uh, and then my third year, when I became bigger and better in Germany back then, when the game wasn't that big, they say, you know, you almost have to play both ways. So my third year, I played um, linebacker and running back and a little bit of quarterback. And then my last year, I was the starting quarterback and starting linebacker. And then a lot of times it was almost Marcus is playing against other teams because I did everything I could. And out by then I hit the gym even a few times. So then 19, 18, 19 year old Marcus playing against sometimes 15, 16 year olds in Germany, all of a sudden wasn't, wasn't so fair anymore. And I think that's when, when I caught like the eye of, of guys like you, for example. All right. Now, did you ever get a chance to play in those? Um, I don't, I don't, Every state in Germany had an all-star team. And then we won the German championship, the Baden-Württemberg Tiger Ducks. And you would go to Berlin. and That's right. And we won it. We won the whole tournament. Yeah. That, pick six that, in there at all. <laughs> bro, I'm telling you, that tournament was so fantastic. Tony Allen and I used to fly over and we would watch. And, and I swear to God, they play like in, in three days on the weekend. I don't know how many games you guys played. But teams were playing every, and it was like awesome. You got to see so many players, and what a great experience for all you guys. So, all right, now, youth football, you, you get to the point where, obviously, 
And I remember, I remember watching you and how it was like, this is a man against boys, right? I mean, it's the same way, Sebastian. You guys stuck out so big next to everybody else. When did you start to think that, hey, I might like to go over and play in the States. I might like to go play college football. College football, do actually, that, that took a while because I, sport was always fun for me. I never... Like growing, if you grow up in America or in, even if you grow up in soccer Germany and you kind of become better and better, people all of a sudden start taking it more seriously. But, but taking American football as a German kid more seriously wasn't even really on my radar. And then kind of until the NFL Europe had their, some of their national coaches and had some of the scouts like you and Tony Allen come to these all-star games. And then there was some buzz when, when guys said, hey, you know what, you can actually maybe have a chance to be one of our NFL Europe national players. And I said, you know what? I can do this more than just for fun, like practice on a Tuesday and Thursday from I, six I to eight and paid. play a game. I can yeah. get paid doing well, this. Maybe even get paid, exactly. Uh, well, I, I went to Germany to, uh, the, we have different levels of high school. So I went to the highest level of high school. So, which would allow me to go to university. Um, actually, I had uh coaches uh, Patrick Azuma called me one day and said right. hey you know you should maybe think about going uh, in the NFL Europe you can make the team there and if you make the practice squad in the U.S. afterwards you can make it in the NFL and all that kind of stuff I said you know what uh, if if this is kind of the interest of them already creating and I want to go to school anyway so I want to go get a college degree maybe I can use this and play over in the states and uh, then the, the real fun part of the story actually begins when uh, I made the decision not to go to the NFL Europe and go that route when I decided to go to college route, which ultimately was the right decision because my first year in the NFL Europe was the last year the whole league existed. Nobody could think about that back then, but for me personally, it was definitely the right choice. And in 2006, um, I just made a highlight DVD uh, from all my playing times in Germany, some quarterback highlights, mostly linebacker highlights. Actually, one game I even had my hand in the dirt when I played some defensive, defensive end. And um, a small school, Liberty University, 1AA school in, Rich, uh, in uh, Lynchburg, Virginia. They heard about me because an NFL Europe coach uh, and an American guy who kind of tried to facilitate players in the US heard about me. And I said, you know what, Virginia, this is a spot. Let's just see what else is around that area. So I made my highlight DVD. I translated all my transcripts from my German school. And my dad and I, we flew into Washington, D.C. We rented a car and I said to him, hey, I mapped out these colleges. Had no idea what ACC was, what the Big East was, what 1AA was. I mean, no clue. Had even no clue what the kind of college recruiting process in America is all about. Um, because if, that, if I would have known all that, I would have never had the balls to actually fly to America and say, Hey, I play football too. They were, cause what happened? They looked at me like I'm crazy. Um, fortunately it all worked out, but I flew to Washington DC. Uh, we went to, uh, we went first to, uh, to Lynchburg and saw, um, yeah, Liberty university. And there was a coach there and he, he looked at me and said, you know what, you're a big guy. Um, looked at my tape and they actually said, you know what, I think we, we could, we would offer you a scholarship. Like you, you could play here. And that was the stadium already there, a smaller school, you know, nothing was upgraded like it is now, nice weight room. 
Um, I was like, wow, this could be something. So we went to the next school. We went to the Richmond Spiders, where funny enough, I actually saw their defensive line coach then, who was Patrick Graham, who is currently the defense the coordinator DC, of the New York yeah. Giants. Yeah. So I saw him. He obviously just saw this big German guy with his dad walking in and said, hey, I'm from Germany. Um, you know, I play football. I have some highlight DVD. And he was like, do you have like an appointment here? Or like kind of like... <laughs> what are you doing i said no i just looked you up and i just thought i'd come by obviously that's not how recruiting works um and he was back then just as nice as he is now and he said you know what you know let me give you a tape i show you some of the coaches and i tore you around and we went on to the next school uh, i went to university of virginia uh, which then i didn't know that they're in the acc but they were a bigger school but after getting some buzz from these smaller schools i thought you know what these look like a little bit more bigger schools, but still didn't know what kind of what the difference was. I went to UVA, actually there the first day, saw a guy from uh, North Carolina who had a recru official recruiting visit. He was J.R. Sweezy, ended up being my college yeah. roommate. Now my best You're friend. You're kidding me. Um, Super Bowl champion, still playing in the league <laughs> for eight years, won the, won the Super Bowl with the Seahawks. And we saw each other there. He was probably like, what is this German kid joining my recruiting visit? I've been waiting for this moment all my life. Um, and UV, UVA said, you know, you, you know you're, you're a big guy. Like, the, the good thing is about Americans were so friendly and open. And I saw the effort that actually my dad and I flew all this way over and we showed the effort. So they were nice enough. I was American enough to be friendly and not just kick me off the curb right away. Um, and that was the next school. We went to ECU. We went to USC. Right, wait a second. Wait a second. Before you go any further, I got I to gotta tell the truth on Americans, especially American football coaches. If you were 5'9", 170 pounds. Oh, 100%. Pounds, <laughs> oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. Oh, when you walk in the door, as impressive as you yeah. are, are or were, however you want to say it, and yeah. With that kind of story behind you, of course they're going to listen to you. All right, go on. Yeah, I was like, back then I was 6'5", probably 245. So only played linebacker in pretty good shape. Uh, I was 20 years old back then, um, you know, just like about to graduate or like graduated from, from school in Germany. And they were like, you know what? We might we might have some something there that, <laughs> that nobody else even knows about. And uh, that was definitely a factor. Some, some strength coaches looked at me and said, you know, just let me see your flexibility. And since I haven't really worked out much or haven't hit the gym much, I was not stiff. I was pretty fluid and everything. And they, they looked at, oh, your hips look great. And I had no idea what all this stuff even meant. Um, <laughs> and the next thing, I, uh, we drove to Raleigh, North Carolina. The school is the Wolfpack. Uh, my dad's name is Wolfgang. And my dad just already looked at all these wolves out there in a statue and said, you know what, it would be pretty cool if my son would play for the wolf pack. Because um, even the gear would make sense for him and all that kind of stuff. So we went in there. Um, it was Coach Chuck Amato was actually in his last year there at NC State. Yep. And he looked at me and said, what position do you play? I said, linebacker. He looked at my hands. I said, you know what, we actually would need linebacker. But I'm telling you one thing. By the time you leave here, you would be 300 pounds. And I looked at him, I was like, I'm like 245. I'm never going to be fat. Like, oh, I get out of here. Like, no, no way. I was like, this guy's nuts. Um, but they wanted to try me out. Uh, but since I was already graduated from school, they weren't allowed to let me participate in one of those high school tryouts anymore. But then they said, you know what? We offer you anyways. At this point, I was sitting in the head football coach's office from NC State overlooking 60,000 seat stadium 
in Raleigh, North Carolina with the nicest sport athletic facilities I've ever seen in my whole life. And I was asking them, like, this stadium is crazy. Like, who's playing here? And they were like, well, we are. But I said, yeah, okay, <laughs> fair enough. But like, who else? This can't be just for a bunch of college kids playing American football and like for six, for six games a year. It's like, no, this is, this is it. This is where we play um, on Saturdays. And I was like, this is unbelievable. And um, I got a scholarship. I kind of knew this is where I'll end up. I flew back to Germany. I was actually expecting to maybe enroll relatively soon. But then the coaches were fired. And uh, I was kind of all by myself again. And I even for during that time, I looked again. It's like, okay, I have this interest. Now NC State forgot about me. The coaches were fired. They obviously forgot about the German kid. Haven't heard from anybody. Sent out another bunch of DVDs. But soon enough, Coach O'Brien, new hire, came down from Boston College, was hired at NC State, said, Marcus, sorry, it took so long. Um, we would still like to offer you a scholarship. And then, fair enough, on May 17th, in 2007, uh, not so little Marcus anymore, but still 21. I left everything behind in Germany, uh, came with two, two packed bags, flew to America, um, and yeah, haven't, haven't left since. So Wolfgang's kid becomes a member of the Wolf Pack in Raleigh, North Carolina now. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's wild. Well, it is unbelievable. I mean, it's such a great story. But now, you go out to practice the first day. Oh, yeah. And now, obviously, because you've been to Hopschuler and you, you, you had workable English, but yeah. what was it like when you got on the field with all those athletes as a – I mean, you were 20. You weren't an 18-year-old kid. But it had to be a shock athletically. Oh, I mean, the level of play, I always compared it. Like, even it's like – you play, you kick the ball around as a soccer player in America, and then all of a sudden you almost come to like a second-tier Bundesliga team. You know, it's like these guys have been playing or training on a professional level. They had playbooks. They had strength and conditioning training, you know, for years and years now. And I show up there and I'm the, on the field. But I just kind of made it all on effort. But, I mean, I had a lot to learn. And they had me as a defensive end right away, and I was going against – some offensive linemen, but I, I just gave it my all. And I, I really, I worked my butt off. And, and funny enough, I, um, with injuries happened along the line, I actually played as a true freshman. Um, get, and get out of here. And you became from, a freshman you all ACC. From youth football in yeah. Germany to yeah. all ACC freshman team. Yeah. Even made the honorable mention all American team. Uh, and then I played, Defensive end there, um, played more, a little bit more my second year. Uh, and then there was a, a little bit, this, this, sometimes this, all this high story also has a little dip. Um, J.R. Sweezy was playing defensive tackle. We had did not many defensive tackle. We were roommates. And our coach said, you know, Marcus, I would kind of like to have the two of you together. I think you actually still, I was more filling spots, but you still couldn't use some more development time. We would like to redshirt you. So they decided to actually redshirt me my then junior year uh, when I then full-time moved to defensive tackle, which was tough because I've been playing for two years. But you know what? I said, hey, I, first of all, I have no idea. I do whatever these coaches tell me to do because they probably know better and have my best interests. If that's always the case, you, just, you don't know. But either way, I stuck it out, um, played again my, my redshirt junior year, um, still then never thought about 
going pro or any other level and then yeah uh, made it to my senior year when I was a full-time starter played every game and had by far my best season and uh, by the time my senior year was over funny enough I was 300 pounds playing division one college football what I thought I would never be a fat kid I was a big kid I would still say I wasn't a fat kid but um yeah, I was a big guy, 300 pounds, playing defense tackle, uh, ACC football with with NC State, and um, I then and then I I got some more buzz and ended up being the first German to ever be invited to the scouting combine in Indianapolis. All right, when did you know, or when did you feel, or when did the words, the buzz, as you call it, get to the point where you thought, "Holy shit, I might get a chance to play in the National Football League." I almost say almost like mid through my senior year, uh, because I is still to this day, I kind of very much live in the moment. And I still think if you do the right thing and you give it your all every single day, only good things come from it. And that might not be the NFL, but worst case scenario, I could have looked at my college career and I would have had no regrets and I would have been happy with whatever came after that. But just by the nature of the beast, people talk to you and say, hey, there's maybe a chance. And even my college coach said, you know, after my, my football time was coming to an end and we we're heading to a ball game, when agents start to reach out to you, and I, I wasn't getting any big time agent calls, but there's these, there's these smaller agents that are trying to themselves establish themselves. They reach out to like lower tier players like myself. Um, and I, I was got lucky after, after my last game, I asked my, my coach that, Hey, should I get an agent? How does this works? And he actually re recommended me his own agent, um, who I'm still close with every day. Um, and, um, yeah, when I, I really realized there's something there when I got the invite to the scouting combine in Annapolis and said, Oh, like, this is kind of where it's going. Cause then I knew. Worst case scenario, somebody's going to invite me to training camp, and I at least can smell some NFL air. Okay, so you're in Indianapolis with the, uh, I don't know, at that time probably 500 best players. 300 is usually, yeah, 300 guys. Yeah, all right. So 300 best college football players. How many defensive linemen were at the combine there? Ooh, I couldn't actually tell you, but I mean, it must have been maybe 30, 40, 50. 50 probably uh, around that. Uh, yeah. So you guys, you're in a room and explain to the viewers about our listeners and viewers about how crazy it is when you go into that meat market environment. Yeah. You're in there with the 30 or 40 best players at your position and everybody kind of sizing each other up and, you know, explain, tell about that experience. Well, even then there was like, I can tell because I think it's, it's more in the American football environment. Everything is very competitive, but I was like almost enjoying myself because I just always like, this is a great experience. Like I'm so lucky. <laughs> and guys were complaining, saying like, oh, you, oh, we have to get up at four o'clock in the morning for the drug test. And we have to get MRIs until one o'clock at night. And these three, four days are so tough. And I said, I'm one of 300 guys in all of America that he gets invited to these four days. Like, what are you complaining about? Like, this is like the, the most fortunate or luckiest thing you can possibly be part of, of your life. Like nobody gets to experience that kind of stuff. And definitely nobody ever from my country got to experience that kind of stuff. So I was just there and I was just kind of soaking it in. Uh, before that, I went to IMG um, to Bradenton where now actually all the guys from the pathway train. So I still know some people back there. 
Um, and I, I worked out there, uh, was well prepared by, by everybody. And I was like kind of ready to go. I was excited. Sure, it was tough. I mean, they call it the hardest job interview for a reason those few days. Um, and um, yeah, I had uh, Bruce, Bruce Irving was my, was my roommate, a big time NFL player. Um, and yeah, he was like telling me about all his time and his agent. And I was like, I had no, I still not, not really knew what's going on. I didn't have any in-person interviews. But they had this place that's called a train station where every team and coaches had like a round table and guys who didn't have in-person interviews were kind of waiting there and could have more informal interviews. And I was there, I think it opened up every night at seven and went till 10. And I said, you know what? I'm be there every day from when they open those gates until they close because I want to show every coach, even if they don't talk to me, it's like, if you do something crazy often enough, it kind of becomes more your habit. And they look at you <laughs> and they say, you know, this kid really wants it. If he stands here every night, he doesn't poke his head in there and wait. It's like, even if nobody talked to me for three hours on one day, I was just sitting there and standing there. So, you know what? They may be just busy right now. Maybe they come back to me later. But I think it's just kind of shows how bad I wanted it. And um, I don't know if it had an effect on anything, but hey, um, Sebastian, uh, a few years before me, was, was drafted in the second round without being invited to the Combine. Um, I was invited to the Combine. I uh, had to wait a little longer, but um, it ended up working out and I ended up still being drafted. Uh, so I can't say I, 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 did, I did anything wrong. All right. Did you know Sebastian at that time? I mean, you, I'm sure you knew of him because yeah. the football world is so small in, in, yeah. in Europe. But... Did he serve as kind of like a, you said, well, if, maybe if he did it, I can do it kind of deal? Honestly, I, I, I knew often, but even Sebastian's story um, back then was kind of so like you knew there was a German guy that played at Houston and a few years ago. But Sebastian was in, probably in also in connection with the Patriots that they were hyping him up and say, hey, Sebastian, give a bunch of interviews. He was very low key all his career. So even like in Germany, he never gave a bunch of interviews. It was like, he did his own thing, which obviously worked great for him. He had, I mean, he's one of the, I always, Sebastian is one of my best friends too. Like we talk all the time. We talked earlier today and funny, like he is one of the greatest athletes that ever came out of Germany into American sport. I mean, you really have to almost say there's Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, and then yep. there's almost after that is Sebastian Vollmer. I mean, he's guy played for the Patriots for eight years and won two Super Bowls. It's unbelievable. And he's the nicest, most humble guy um you could possibly imagine and now kind of over the years our friendship grew more and more but back then we were we were almost strangers uh, the first interaction we ever had which to a later point we can get to that again was when the giants and the patriots always play each other in the preseason when we actually saw each other on the field it was the first time we kind of were like oh hey another german yep also here uh, did, but uh, did you did you did you say the gates Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> you didn't you didn't speak English, teacher. No, of course, you speak German. I'm with my fellow countryman, and we speak our language. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. All right, so we're build the build up to the draft is coming, right? Yeah. Obviously, there's a buzz, and this kid, this big German kid, has been to the combine, and you know, as you're getting ready for the draft, yeah. All right, did you? Where, what what was the sense that you had? Were you going to go early? Were you going to go late? Like how did how did the how did the teams communicate to you where they what they thought of you? 
I had one tryout, which was with the Patriots. Um, and other than that, I, I did, there wasn't much communication. There was no glamorous talks like, hey, Marcus, if this works out, we pick you there and there and all that kind of stuff. It was more like I, I had still... I didn't know really what was going on. I mean, you read bit of some stuff on the internet when some people say fourth round talent or third round and maybe late round pick and others say free agent. So, you know, it was more like whatever happens, happens. And, uh, but, but you still, per like the, so the first day is round one, second day is round two and three. So I was like, okay, if whatever reason, you maybe start going crazy and the second day when it's like the late third round, it's like, you know what? Maybe somebody's crazy enough, you know, to, or maybe somebody <laughs> screwed up and they would give me a call. But, uh, but I thought ultimately on day three, I would maybe I would get a call. Um, and then day three comes around, round four and five and six. And I was like, well, like, I mean, the draft is not fun if you're one of the last picks um, who gets drafted because you're just waiting and waiting. And um, then some teams start calling me and said, hey, which I also realized later on in my career that this is actually a thing. Guys, teams are calling you say, hey, we wouldn't want to draft you, but uh, we'd like to have you as, for sure as one of our free agents. Um, if, you know, we don't have any draft picks left over, it's the beginning of or the end of the sixth round or the beginning of the seventh round. We have no more draft picks. We would love for you to come to us, play for us. And I said, you know what? This draft is still going on. Like, get off my phone um my mom called me too it's like hey any, anything news and every time your phone rings you go crazy it's like mom like don't call me right now i'll you'll be the first your mom called if I would. Your, your she mom was in germany so my, germany. my dad yeah my dad was she's like anything happened yet she was up late at night i was like no don't call like just don't call me um and um yeah i uh i had to wait the, the giants won the super bowl uh just before that uh funny enough I was always like, look, you know, New York was always, I've, I visited New York before. Uh, it was always like, I thought the West Coast would be easier. I'm very close to my family. So a West Coast team would, would be nicer for me. Direct flights, what's easy to, how do you get from Frankfurt, you know, back to the US? Like, what's the best for my family? How I can see them, you know, most often. And um, I, uh, yeah, it was the, we had some compensatory picks after me, but at the, on the 32nd spot, of the seventh round shortly before that uh, my agent even told me hey the patriots if nobody calls you they would like to sign you so you could you should go to the patriots the best coach um you know they know with raw guys like you how to deal with them you should probably go there so i had in my back pocket and knew if nothing would work out i would be a free agent with the patriots which is not a bad gig for a kid coming from germany um but then round seven comes around the 32nd pick Giants on the clock and my agent called me and said, hey, the Giants, they're going to most likely give you a call now if everything works out. Waited. Phone rang. New York Giants on the phone. The Super Bowl champion. Uh, at that point, I don't care what round it was. It could have been the 16th round. Uh, but the New York Giants were on the phone. I said, hey, we'd love to have you. And that, I mean, that was, it was such a moment to kind of all, now like, I'm even getting like, you know, crazy to think about that kind of stuff. Like, was it was it Jerry Reese that called you or Tom? Yeah, Coughlin? it was. I mean, first it was one of our scouts and Jerry Reese and Tom Coughlin. Uh, then you talk to your defensive line coach, and you talk to everybody. And say, hey, we love to have you. I hope you're in good shape. I hope everything is fine. And yeah, from then on out, I was I was kind of a New York Giant, and that was I mean an un un unbelievable feeling, I have to say. Now, 
you get drafted. Yeah. And for the for the fans that don't know, I think it's either the weekend after the draft, they bring all the rookies in together, right? And you have your first pro football experience. Yeah. Rookie camp. Yeah, in the facility with your rookie mini camp. How big a thrill is it to walk into that facility? Because I've been through those doors and see those Super Bowl trophies in that lobby and realize that, oh, the, the tradition of this club is amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's and it's and even if you tell your friends and family in Germany, if 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 people who don't know that much about American football and you tell them maybe I've been drafted by another team, they were like, what is this? What have they heard of? But but even in Europe, even like years ago now, now we have a different football environment, of course, but that was in 2012. You've heard about the New York Giants and especially they have just won the Super Bowl. And I walk in there and I, when I played Madden, I played with the Giants because they had the best defensive line. So you always play with the guys that you think are the best and they had the most dominant defensive line. So then I walk in those doors uh, and then they told me, it's like, well, you don't have your work visa yet. I was still under my college visa. And since the Giants are the kind of organization that does everything by the books, they said football practice is technically work. So you're not allowed to participate in rookie minicamp. And I was like, you went up there and stood on the sideline. Yes. Yes. Oh, and Tom Coughlin was there. He's like, well, you better have your helmet on anyways. And <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, this is and not be, my fault. And, and be 15 minutes early for meetings. And exactly. But, uh, but that was then kind of like, ah, a little punch in the gut. Cause obviously I wanted to prove, you know, they drafted me. I was fired up. I wanted to show what I can do. Um, but everything worked out. The visa came in and then, uh, yeah, I was, I was ready for the, for training camp. And obviously you have the off season workouts that I could participate in, but on all of a sudden you have defensive line meetings. You just watch the Super Bowl. You play with the giants on Madden. And then you sit in a room with Justin Tuck, with OC human with Jason Pierre, Paul, with Linville Joseph, with Chris Canty. I mean, these guys with, with uh, Rocky Bernard, I mean, with, with guys have been in the league for a long time, have won Super Bowls, accomplished everything, just beat Tom Brady a few months back. I mean, and then here, Marcus from Germany sits amongst these <laughs> was, literally was giants. Stray, was Strahan there at that time? or had No, Strahan wasn't, wasn't there anymore. I'm not that old. Uh, but, come on come on now <laughs> no but as uh, but strain even strain even came by and funny enough strain actually lived in Mannheim for a long time in the city where i was born in I was uh, so there was that. an immediate german connection he was great guy right away talked to me uh even had stuff in common just by you know he, he know more about my area than anybody all in the entire organization so um that was that was funny but as it oh kifatal he's like yeah this is where uh the benjamin franklin village was the barracks where he grew up and i said yeah i drove by there when i went to school in Mannheim every morning on my my subway or my my tram whatever you want to call it went right through his barracks so um yeah but being in there eli manning was in his locker room right across from me i mean it was it was unbelievable did you did you ever have any of those moments where you just sat in there and looked around and went holy shit i i'm here i'm, I'm here Honestly, probably like every day of my entire career. <laughs> I really, I really like it, it never, it never settled in that this is like a real, this actually really is a thing that I'm, and it was, yeah, it's still like to this day when you think it was, it was unrealistic. And, and then even that, even my, my rookie year as a seventh round draft pick, I, I never thought even, you know, 
will I make the team or not? And then again, what I also didn't realize when you, you know, when you make the team, if they don't call your phone, so they don't tell you, congratulations, there is no banners waving. It's not like, hey, congrats, you made it, you're part of it. It's more like, no, if we don't get a call, just show up to work the next day. And that's... Okay, who was your roommate, your rookie year in training? Uh, my rookie year was, I think it was, well, in training camp rookie year, I think it was Matt Broha, um, another like undrafted free agent guy that put it with me. But Mark Herzlick actually trained with me uh, down at IMG and he was drafted or he was actually a free agent the year before with the Giants just won a Super Bowl and I just knew him and the great guy that he is he called me and said hey Marcus congrats being part of Giants being a teammate and I didn't know if I make the team so I didn't after that I didn't look for an apartment or anything because it was all I was all up in the air and Mark said hey if you make a team if all works out why don't you move in the first few months with me uh, and you can live with me? So not my uh, camp roommate, but kind of until November, until I got my own apartment in Hoboken, New Jersey, uh, I lived with Mark Herzlick and uh, he took me under his wing. And I mean, I learned from, from a pro's pro kind of how to, how to behave in, in that kind of league. I, I tell you what, that is great guy to be around. Now, the night before final cutdown. Yeah. Right. Did they come to you? Did your position coach come to you the day before, a couple of days before? You're going to say, hey, kid, you're going to make this team? Or did Nothing. you? Like, you went to bed that night, not knowing if the call was going to and come. And not even know, is the call going to come at 9 a.m.? Is it at 4 p.m.? Do I know by 8 o'clock for sure? And I asked guys, like, well, if usually then they release at 9 at night the roster. But I was like, if they don't call you by 4 o'clock, it's fine. So I was just hoping my phone wouldn't go off. Once again, my dad came over, another special moment in my football career. We were actually, um, the U.S. Open uh, were in New York during that time. And I was like, no, I need a distraction. So we got some tickets. We watched some tennis. Fair enough. Phone rang. My mom, anything happened yet? I was like, mom, <laughs> don't call. Like, please, I, I don't, this phone cannot ring today. And, uh, but obviously she wanted to check on me and uh, I didn't have any news for her then. But next day I showed up to work and, and fair enough, I was one of these very, because the roster all of a sudden you have training camp with 90 guys and all of a sudden then you come into work the next day and you're 53 guys and maybe some of the practice squad guys are around. The whole building looks a lot different all of a sudden. And then you realize, wow, I actually made, made this New York Giants football team. I'm, I'm glad you, you described that to the, listeners and the viewers because that is such a surreal experience and you know when you're especially when you're a fringe kid like a young kid like if you're drafting the first three rounds you're going to make the team because they got yeah. so much money wrapped up in you but when you're a seventh rounder you know you got to prove that you can and you know I, I know with with always with us it's those guys you know that are you're on that are unsure you just tell them hey stick around the hotel don't go anywhere you know <laughs> Because it could, it could go either way. Yeah. And make sure your playbook uh, is right next to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, what a feeling of a relief it must have been to walk in there and know that you were really a giant, that you were really a giant. But then they also tell you, well, you're a giant now. And if you don't perform, you can cut your still any day. And it was like, wait, what? This is not, this is not it. Like, I'm not good at least for a certain amount of time like no like, <laughs> this is a very competitive environment no contracts are guaranteed if you screw up a few weeks in a row you're still out of there and they have every tuesday they have guys trying out for your position 
if you mess up in practice or in a game. So you can almost never take a breather and never relax. But I mean, ultimately, when you get some playing time and you get some positive feedback, you can kind of be like, okay, at least this year, maybe until next training camp, at least this season, I kind of, I kind of have a spot. And then unfortunately it was i think week 10 or 11 i actually as a as a uh, rookie i played in, in almost i played in every game i got a lot of snaps like uh, again some injuries happened on the defensive line i was pushed into fire uh, got a decent amount of reps and then we had uh, we played in cincinnati it was bad turf um, i took on a double team uh, stabbed through the center i had a guard push through my shoulder the running back i did a, i did a good job from the play perspective because i Kept two guys busy. I wasn't driven off the ball. Drove the center back. And then the running back drove right in the center. And I was a little bit of one foot. And then my ACL popped. Uh, Week 11, after just kind of getting the groove of it, kind of getting the feel of the NFL game, tear my ACL. And then, again, I ask Ronnie Barnes, uh, an historic athletic trainer, head athletic trainer of the New York Giants, actually the first black athletic head athletic trainer in NFL history, one of the nicest and greatest people you will ever meet. And I was like, Ronnie, is, is this kind of it for me? Will they just kick me to the curb and party over? Because I don't know, but I didn't know about the business enough. And I said, Marcus, don't worry. We're not like that. You're going to make our rehab here. Everything will be fine. You will take your time. And you know what? We try, try again. We, we, we try all over again next year. And the Giants were always a first-class organization, as they're known to be. They gave me a lot of time in my second year, didn't rush me back. Um, had a good surgery, a good rehab, and then I played again my second year. The first few weeks, I was still on, on PUP, physical unable to perform list, um, so I didn't count against the roster. Um, I was rehabbing during training camp, and then, um, yeah, I finished out the rest of the season and actually I played a good amount of time. All right. The first... German player to ever score a touchdown in the National Football League. Correct? Pretty cool, right? I, I, I'm, I'm serious now. How awesome is yeah. that? Yeah, ridiculous. Like, also, like, uh, I mean, of course, you need luck in anything you do in life. But, I mean, good things happen when you run to the football, right? That's like a typical, that's like a typical coaching expression. And yeah. if you get after it every practice and – I mean, there's a fumble in front of you, and if you run to it every time, you might not get it every time, but if you create the habit, then ultimately, if there is an opportunity for you to do something big, you just increase your odds of you being the guy, of you being at least part of something good happens. So my third year of my career, we're playing an away game against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Zach Mattenberger uh, was dropping back for a pass. Uh, JPP, as he does like just as good, who also just won another Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, JPP came around the corner, strip sack, forced fumble. I pushed a pocket, saw this ball laying in front of me, got rid of my offensive lineman, picked up the ball, I think like 24 yards. Luckily enough, there was nobody near around me. And I almost <laughs> had, had a kind of an, an open lane right to the end zone and if, if you ever see a picture of kind of how my face looked like when i crossed that line i was just hoping there was no flags and nothing but i was like i actually just scored a touchdown in the nfl was that your first touchdown since youth football did you oh score? yeah i mean i scored like as soon as i played quarterback in germany i scored a lot of touchdowns but never scored in, in college football i mean to score as a defensive player in general 
Very rare. Plus he's a, a defensive tackle. The score of a defensive tackle in the NFL. I mean, that doesn't happen. And then I didn't think about the whole German part. Actually, some, some reporters mentioned it to me after. But I was more happy about because we had a big turnover problem and we haven't had scored a defensive touchdown all season. So that was an emphasis from us from a just defensive football perspective. So I was just happy that I could be the first defensive player to score a touchdown in our season up to that point. So that was kind of the emphasis at first. And then obviously me personally just scoring a touchdown period uh, was, I mean, if people ask me, what, how does it feel? But if you, have, if you are a big American football fan and somebody would tell you, you get to score a touchdown in the NFL, the way you would feel that moment is exactly how I feel because I love this game. And it was like telling a little kid, like, Hey, you get the score in the NFL for a touchdown. And it is, I mean, it, it was just unbelievable. And fortunately enough, we, we actually won that game too. So they, I could celebrate. So cause sometimes you do, you play good and you have great, great action. You make a score, a score or a sack, um, but then your team loses and then you can't really be happy. Even you did something good yourself. So we won, scored a touchdown and um, yeah, it was, it was really a, a wild, wild moment. I tell you what, it is so cool the way you describe it. And um, I think that it is a moment that really, I don't even know if you understand the magnitude of what that is, what that accomplishment meant and what you've done as a player to pave the way for the kids that are coming now. I mean, you and Sebastian and all of the guys. Bjorn, that, too. Like, the first yeah. German to be a first-round draft pick. Sebastian, the first German to win a Super Bowl. Um, and now, I mean, being the first to be invited to the scouting combine. Like, all, all these, like, everything sounds crazy until somebody does it, right? And all these things now, and the game grows internationally, fortunately, so much right now. And all these things now don't seem completely crazy and unrealistic anymore because they are guys who have done it. And if you are a young football player, especially maybe outside of the U S who thinks, you know what, that will never happen. This is crazy. I mean, it's not easy and it's still unlikely, but there is a chance it can happen. I'm going to tell you this because I've been to the Academy and I've seen those kids play. I've seen those kids practice. I, I think someday, I hope the NFL recognizes just how important the contributions that you guys made to this goal of having more international players in the game has been. Because you really provided the blueprint. Now, not every not everybody's going to get their dad to fly to Lynchburg, Virginia and go and on. Not a, everybody comes out of the room 6'4", <laughs> 300 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's some, not only for, there, I mean, there is a lot of and a ton of restrictions, but there is still a possibility. There's yep. still a way. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about, you know, there's this big, big, big emphasis now. Uh, and it's so ironic to me, Marcus, that, you know, after having been in NFL Europe and being at, Bald Stadium and, and uh, Rhein Stadium and those crowds and, you know, just the passion of the German fans for the game and how much they loved NFL Europe. And then they lose it. And now, you know, here, well, here it is, I guess, 10 years, 11, 12 years later, 
the NFL's on a mission to go back. Yeah. How does that, how does that make you feel? And how much are you involved in all of that? Well, first of all, about time. And um, as, a, as a German, I sometimes almost look envy, envious of what happened in London uh, because a lot of times everything what happens with the London games and all the push there seems kind of like the easier route just because from the language barrier. But if you even look back in the NFL Euro days, you know better than anybody, yeah. five of the six teams were all in Germany. If you look at who had the most fans, the most loyal game, almost where was the game accepted the most? like especially in, in Europe, was Germany. And now the NFL kind of seeing again what is happening. And I mean, I have my hands in, in, a, in a variety of things. I mean, I, after I was done uh, with the Giants, the, I was uh, signed by the Patriots. I didn't make that team then. And then ultimately I realized my, my active football career is over. But I wanted to stay close to the game and close to the sport. So I thought, you know, how can I change my mind from an athlete to also still give something back to the game and still stay involved? So I uh, actually applied my, my girl, back then girlfriend uh, lived in New York. Uh, so I thought, you know, I was in, in Hoboken, New Jersey, pretty much New York. Um, that was like other than Raleigh, North Carolina, my only home basis. So I knew kind of this would be the area where I would come back to. So I applied to Columbia University um, and got my master's in sports management just to kind of, after this crazy football time, educate myself again about the entire sports industry. And during that time, um, I was broadcasting football games, free TV rights, uh, you know, were giving to to German TV stations again. Uh, the Super Bowl was shown not only, but also regular season games were showing more. They built a whole programming around it. Um, the Patriots reached out to me and Sebastian after both up playing and said, hey, why don't you broadcast our preseason games to Germany? So since 2017 now, Sebastian and I are broadcasting the Patriots preseason game directed to Germany, where funny enough, me and Sebastian are the only commentators. We don't have any experts in there. It's just me and him. Kind Wait of, a second. Wait, you got two experts. You got you and Sebastian. You yeah, but you don't have a you don't have a commentator. So so you have two experts or two commentators or no <laughs> no commentators. So, um, but but funny enough, we we kind of have our own way of doing it, and um, we have a great time, and a lot of people tune in, um, and even that was kind of helping grow the game again. Then we uh, were were regular guests on a free TV station in Germany. Then funny enough, after our commentary experience for the patriots we reached out to the zone who is the rights holder in germany for thursday night sunday night and monday night football we told them hey why don't we do the same thing for you as we did for the patriots so me and sebastian in 2019 were broadcasting all of monday night football to germany and um i would say i, I had sometimes a little bit more the play-by-play -play role and he was more the expert because i probably also talk a lot more than sebastian does so i think that was kind of a natural thing And um, we did all that. And then um, after all this happened, you know, in the, in, the, in the season, you're busy working for media and this kind of thing. But also with me going back to school, I wanted to learn more about the game, the other part of the game that I, I wasn't too familiar with. And since I had such a lovely and wonderful experience with the New York Giants, I thought, you know, it'd be great to go kind of back where it all started and learn more about the game from a different aspect. So I know, I know this NFL world from a player perspective. I know this world from a media side. And the one thing I don't know is actually the, I know a lot from the NFL because I was working closely to the, especially the NFL International and their goals. 
But one thing I don't know is like the organizational structure. How does the front office work and look like? So my plan was to reach out to the New York Giants after Monday Night Football was over and we broadcasted a Super Bowl for Miami in 2020. And I was uh, really about to call the Giants in a few weeks. And then I came back from Miami because we broadcasted Monday Night Football out of a studio in Miami. So it means Sebastian flew to Miami every Monday, uh, flew to Miami, did Monday Night Football, recorded our podcast Tuesday, flew back Tuesday afternoon. That was kind of our whole football year, which was, uh, as you can imagine, flying to Miami 18 times a year was a lot of fun. Um, and then I came back out of one of those trips and I had a voicemail from the New York Giants say, hey, Marcus, we have this alumni internship program where we like to get guys, you know, that we were familiar with and kind of know how they are, uh, shadow and look behind the scenes of the organization. I said, another crazy how it's it's meant to be sorry um so i was like yeah 100 that's a good idea guys and um a few weeks a few weeks later i showed up there and i had an interview um they were happy to take me and usually that's it's a six-month program and you shadow a bunch of different fields you go to pr you're the community relations you help the player development side but i said you know i i didn't go to school for no reason i want to know about player contracts and I want to kind of know really about the pro scouting side. How do you get more players? Because also that's something looking in the future. You're trying to get more players from other markets in the league to know how to, how that are all the structures and how that works. So I kind of then experienced the draft from another side. So I was last year, it was a crazy year because of COVID. So I was experienced the draft virtually because everybody was out of the office. I had, I was at every home game for the New York Giants last year. It was kind of having a private showing to football games because the stadiums were completely empty and other, the people, the media and the organization, nobody was in a stadium. And this year I had my first experience kind of being in the, in the draft room and experience how a football team drafts their players and how kind of all that works from that perspective. So that kind of opened my eyes again and said, now as a German who lived through and done what I did to now actually being able to get that insight and perspective from experiencing the draft and recruiting and how that all works. I mean, unbelievable full circle moment again, to being drafted myself and seeing our general manager, Dave Gettleman doing these draft calls and like nobody knew actually how it feels to be one of these guys who get that phone call. And that was kind of like, I've, every time they picked up the phone, it's like, okay, we're going to click. Kadarius Tony is the first round. We're going to pick him today. Or we're going to pick, you know, Ozzy. I mean, all these guys that we drafted this year. And it's like, you know what? I see the way they pick up the phone. And I know how these guys feel at the other end of the line. And, and experiencing that was, again, an, an unbelievable, unbelievable feeling for me. All right. I, I want you to give your opinion as an ex-Giant and a guy that played in the league about where you think the Giants are right now in terms of you know you, joe judge new program different way of doing things you know saquon's coming back off an injury you know jones has got a you know so much pressure on him to take another step they draft Kadarius tony to give him another weapon you know is the offensive line good enough can the defense can, play can as well kenny galladay to come to the new york giants yeah i mean what's your what's your take on this football team so even before i started working for the giants again uh i always start with team teams you almost have to 
kind of pick one of the Patriots guys because, I mean, it seemed like they have the blueprint, you know, to how it works and how to be a competitive football team year in, year out because the, the entire NFL is set up to be through the board. Everybody has the same opportunity. And if you're very good one year, you get worse draft picks. You should be not as good the next year. But to be consistently that good, they have something figured out. And I know Coach Judge from being in the Patriots for about four or five months um, when I was a free agent. And I always liked his personality because every football coach is a tough guy and they're very direct and have their own, own ways of doing things. But he is a great, great person. I mean, he is an honest, direct, solid guy. You know where you stand with him. So he did, of course, he's a tough football coach, but he definitely has a human element in him, uh, which some of times it feels like the coaches don't have, but he definitely has that. And he expects a lot, but I was even happy before I, I joined the organization again to kind of, you know, my former team did a good job of picking a guy like this. And now seeing him, how he runs stuff. Um, and I know even our front office gets a bunch of, gets a bunch of negative press sometimes but it's also very hard to do things the right way um and i think that's something the giants pride themselves in and i think i mean i'm biased obviously i have to say that kind of stuff if not they're going to come to the office tomorrow and this is not a german <laughs> podcast but nobody understands it's an english podcast so i have to be careful what i say um but no i i'm i think they did a really really good job this offseason adding the right weapons for daniel jones or even just needs for our team I think it was good that we signed back big names in a defense like Leonard Williams. Um, I think we have uh, with Logan Ryan, one of the most veteran, great football player minds on the team. Uh, you know, now we talked earlier, Patrick Graham, who was a guy that I saw when I handed out DVDs in 2006 to at Richmond, who now was a defensive line coach with the Patriots, actually was the guy that worked me out from the Patriots before the draft. And now is a guy that I see in the office every day, but is also one of the best defensive football minds in the NFL and a great guy. So I think they have a great building or have great building blocks and all the right pieces in place to, to be a good team this year. But everybody can talk how great they are, but the thing is about our sport, you have to show it and you can show it once or twice. You have to show it on a consistent basis for like 16, 17 weeks. You know, I thought last year when Joe went in there and, and it was a radical change. I mean, it was a radical change about how we ran practice, about what training camp was going to be like, about what toughness was about. And I thought about week four or five, you could you could really see the buy in in their football team. And the, the Giants were a tough out the entire season, even though they lost Saquon, they had trouble scoring points. The defense played extremely well. You talk about toughness and discipline and all of the, you know, those words that, you know, a lot of coaches talk about, but then they have a hard time getting their players to play that way. I was really impressed by, by the Giants last year. And I think, I think it's, it's in my personal opinion. I think they're one of the teams that is going to be battling tooth and nail with the Cowboys for that NFC East crown. And, and you said week four is actually when we, we're losing only games. So as a new young head coach, he's not an old guy that, you know, he still has to establish his own coaching resume. And as a young guy who has definitely his own ways for, and then you lose as a team to then turn the team around and have the second half of the season 
have a winning record and you play the way you play and you're in every game against competitive opponent, I think that shows hopefully where this team is heading. But also to keep a team when you when you lose a bunch of games as a new guy, it's well, you right. know it from a it's that's a hard thing to do. You are right. And uh, I think that kind of shows the kind of person he is. Yeah, no question. But listen, man, I, I, I we could sit here and talk all evening. I <laughs> first, of all, first of all, I got to say thank you so much uh, for coming on and, and doing this because always, every time I see you, whether it's at the Super Bowl or wherever, it's always a blast to talk to you. But you're, you've been that way since the first time I met you. And I got to say, I'm proud of you. Thank you very much for coming on the show. And uh, thank you very much for what you've done for all of those kids that now are coming behind you. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I think also I have, to, I have to throw the ball back to you because, I mean, if it wouldn't be for guys like you who know the game from the U.S., from Canada, from college football, from colleges like Hawaii, to actually look at young kids like me even 16 70 year olds in germany and still giving back to the game still i mean i i i i, I always prepare a little bit for for um for when i talk to people so i look wikipedia you up and you were the only top recruiter for talent ever in a non um i think aq uh non-top football fcs school like you were like the only recruiter in history who ever broke like the top 10 or top 20 list and i was like this is the kind of guy you are because you know how to talk to <laughs> really you know how to talk to young people and you are the person that you are and i mean it takes guys like you to, to grow the game as well and i think the game gave us so much so the least we can do is, is give, give back and boy that's exactly how i feel and, and again Thank you so much for the day. We would love to have you on in the future. Obviously, I know you're busy with the Giants, but you know, one day when you're the general manager of the Giants, maybe we'll have you back again. As this, for oh, yourself. no, I, I can't have that much pressure. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife likes me too much. And my wife yeah, you would never see her. You'd she, never she, see her. No, no, she wouldn't allow it. She wouldn't allow uh, it. Let's see what happens in the future. All right, man. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you. All right, Aloha. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Tschüss. <laughs>